The biggest sports stories of the week. So when I get my hair cut, they wax my ears, they wax my nose, okay. and they wax my eyebrows every time I get my hair cut. Okay. I literally have one eyebrow, and I've had people trip over my nose hairs. Okay. It's embarrassing yeah. when someone trips over your nose hair. Yeah, that's that's not, cool. not cool. Unique and compelling analysis and opinions when it comes to your favorite teams. Then he, he said, I don't want to be a bum. He doesn't want to be playing and not be good anymore. And I I think that is a legitimate concern for him. And I think this for year, for Rodgers. For the MVP yeah. of the NFL again this yeah, year? Right. Is he really going to I think Aaron Rodgers should be in the uh, conversation as well for executive of the year. <laughs> Plus some fun with pop culture. Man, that might be a- is the round, the quarterfinals. That's the metal no, round. Not. No, that's Wait, not can we, do we get Matt, get, call Matt Hamilton right now. Because we got to find out. This is Sunday Karma. Well, all I can tell you is I picked way better than you throughout this, Ben. So you got lucky that I have a life and I couldn't get my picks in a few times because I clearly picked way better than you. Now, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studios at Radio City. The whole, uh, you know, Harper is the co-host. She hasn't been here in a year. She doesn't deserve that uh, love. She should get bumped. Here's GKB founder and CEO, Craig Carmison. And a good morning to you as we we said yes last week. We were going to enter the month of August, and we did. Predicted it. Another Palermo's pick that we nailed. Craziness going on. Craziness, craziness, craziness. We have, uh, oh my gosh, Kyle. We When we last heard from Boston Kyle, things were good for the Brewers, man. I don't know what Boston Kyle did. But since the last time we heard from Boston Kyle, the Brewers lost on Sunday to Boston. And then they lost four out of five games this week after that. So they lost five out of six since our last show. Plus the Josh Hader deal. Things things are uh, are looking a little dicey right now, aren't they? I'm Not even in first place. Yeah, I mean, last week we were riding high. That's, that's baseball, isn't it? Yep. Uh, we, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I, I want to see if you think the Brewers, uh, the Brewers uh, ruined it. Since we've also spoken last, Leroy Butler goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Congratulations uh, to Leroy, one of the icons of the team that brought the Packers back. That made Title Town, Title Town. Uh, Title Town, you can call it Title Town. Before that 96 crew, Title Town was kind of a mocking. Like, I think people were like, oh, yeah, Title Town, like, what, like 50 years ago? Like, I, Packers didn't do anything since I was alive. I can't recall. I was, I was, I'm all saying, I know is the good times. Right. You, that's, that's what you know. But for me, like, you know, someone born in 1975, like, the Packers were a joke. Like, I, I'd probably heard the word title town once or twice, but I I I didn't really take it seriously because the Packers haven't won in, you know, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's like people now who are, you know, growing up Cowboys fans and people still talk about the Cowboys of the 90s. And I haven't done anything in a while. So I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, so, you know, Leroy Butler, part of that, and we'll talk some Leroy memories and what he meant to that squad and kind of how that team gets validated a little bit in my mind with uh with Leroy's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But where we start today is with the passing of a absolute legend, a goat 
someone that I think we in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin can relate to in terms of the impact that he had in not just the sport, but in the community. And that is the great Vin Scully, who passed away this week, former Brooklyn Dodgers and Los Angeles Dodgers announcer. And you talk about not remembering when something was Titletown. How about that this guy had been their announcer in Brooklyn and also in Los Angeles. But for me, I look at him as the best that I've heard. And the reason is, like, it's so weird. It happened um, last last week, the week before this. I happened to have uh, watched the uh, 86 Mets uh, documentary on ESPN. It's a four-parter. It's called, like, Once Upon a Time in Queens. It is so good about the 1986 Mets, a four-part uh, documentary. And so I happened to scroll down, and one day uh, when I got home from work, I just randomly put on World Series. And by the way, this was um, the night of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, now that I think about it. So I actually happened to randomly put on World Series Game 3 of the 86 World Series. And I was like, oh, I'll throw this on and have some memories because I happened to have gone to that game. And so I never watched it on TV, right? Because I was there. So I was like, I'll put this game on for a little bit. I ended up watching the entire game. And I ended up not getting to the Major League Baseball All-Star game until like the sixth inning because of the storytelling. I was doing work. I was eating. It was on the background. And the announcer was just so good. And one of the things I noticed... They had no slow motion replays. They had no close-ups on the fans. They had none of all the stuff that we need today in the game. All that game had, the 1986 World Series, was Vin Scully as the play-by-play announcer and Joe Garagiola, you know, who was the, uh, the color commentator. And Vin Scully was telling stories like Vin Scully does. And it just reminded me how good someone can be. And for me, that's all I wanted to be growing up. Um, I don't know about you, Kyle, like you played football for a little bit. I don't know when you decided to be uh, a broadcaster instead of a player, when you figured out that being a player might not be the future. But when we're kids, we all want to be athletes, right? I think until like maybe second grade, I wanted to be a player. I think by third grade, I realized, all right, it ain't happening for me. I mean, I might be an okay player on my little league team, but it's not. I'm not, I'm not going to be a New York Yankee. <laughs> I realized that by about eight years old. So at that point, I wanted to be an announcer. And then when you find the person who legitimately may be the best and uh, the impact that they can have on so many people over so many years is incredible. And I said, we in Wisconsin can relate, right? I mean, look at Bob Euchre. I mean, look what Bob Euchre has done. I mean, Vince Scully did it for 60 plus years. Bob Euchre actually played Major League Baseball and has still done it for 50. Like, that's crazy what Bob Euchre's done. But I don't know that anybody will ever do it at the precision, at the class, at the style of Vince Scully. And I want to listen right now, and we'll we'll stop it uh, a few times. I don't think we're going to get through it this segment because uh, I want to listen to this montage and hear a little of the best of Vince Scully. Yeah. 
It's time for Dodger Baseball. Hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. A beautiful day. Temperature in the high 60s. Blue sky. Got it. p.m. Two and two to Harvey Keene. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. On the scoreboard in right field, it is 9.46 p.m. in the city of the Angels, Los Angeles, California. Henderson at second, Molitor at first, one out of the ninth, 6-5 Philadelphia. Fastball is hit to left field, down the line, in the corner, home run! That was in the 90s, and Joe Carter walked out. The 2-0 pitch for a strike right down the middle. It's the 2-1 pitch over the left field wall. And the Toronto Blue Jays come back with three in the bottom of ninth inning to become the world champions yet again. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. If one picture is worth a thousand words, you have seen about a million words. I mean, who more than to that, say that, you have seen an absolutely bizarre finish to game six of the 1986 World Series. And waiting, the outfield beaten straight away. Fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to this the one's the best. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron. Montana. Oh, yeah, he did football, too, here. Throwing in the end zone. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, and an answer for each prayer. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, oh, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be. Thanks to Nick Van Wagnon for that montage. I mean, a few things there, Kyle. I mean, that Hank Aaron call. Remember, he's just the Dodgers announcer there. And that was his call, the opposing player doing it with the perspective. Like, I I mean, social justice and things today. Like, he was able to do that in a way that wasn't divisive, that wasn't anything, right? He just, I mean, wow. The man, I mean, in a... If a picture tells a thousand words, this was a million, and in the season of the improbable, the impossible just happened. Like, the man just had words. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's very special. It's something that, as you talked about as a kid, we all who love sports and those who understood that professional wasn't their route, it was talking about sports and even play-by-play growing up in you know Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I grew up with Bob Euchre and just the magic that these gentlemen can just come out of their mouth just naturally is something that a craft that I feel like none of us can really obtain. I think it's just natural for them. Uh, I thought you were going to say that reminds you of me getting to do a show every week. No, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. So it is amazing, the passing of Vince Scully, but all the incredible things. He was around for, I don't know, what is that, eight decades? You know, <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like the, uh, the longevity, 67 years as Dodgers announcer doing what we uh, do, but doing it at a much higher level uh, for, for all of those, which is uh, absolutely incredible to, uh, to listen back to and hear. But what, what I want to do is hear what you think, uh, and we're going to get to Leroy Butler later, but I want to hear if you think the Brewers screwed this up. 800-990-ESPN, 800-990-3776. When we were on the show last week, we were talking about the easy Brewers schedule coming up and the idea of getting up five, six, maybe even seven games in the Central Division so that when the schedule got tough, the Brewers uh, would have a little padding. Instead, what happened? Five of six losses against an easy, the easiest part of the schedule. Brewers not in first place. Josh Hader gone. Have the Brewers screwed up the 2022 season? Want your thoughts? Call now, 800-990-3776. 800-990-3776. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. You could also text this, obviously, at that same number, 800-990-3776. We'll talk with you and get Kyle's thoughts, most importantly, as we continue Sunday Karma, ESPN, Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Try me a hundred times. Wanted me to lie, wanted me to cry, wanted me to die. Real life. I, 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 I'm staying alive, staying alive, staying alive, staying alive. It's Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Wanted me to cry, wanted me to die. DJ Kelly. I'm staying alive, staying alive, staying alive, staying alive. I see in love and she been over once. It's not like I know no for months. This life had allowed me to take what I want. And let's go out it's to Old like Trafford, where like in the Premiership's first week of the year, we have a shocker to report to you. The hometown Manchester United has fallen to Brighton. The first time Brighton has ever won in Manchester United. Just filling out a, a wild first week here. Our fixture is not complete as Man City still needs to play West Ham. But yesterday it was Liverpool, only gaining one point, pretty much a loss for that team as Fulham was able to uh, gain a draw at 2-2. Two to two. Yes, it's another year of uh, the only football league that matters here on Sunday mornings. It is the football show with Kyle and Craig as uh, Tottenham, they score four goals en route to their victory. We'll give you updates all season long on your favorite football league here on Sunday mornings. All right, we're back with you. Um, you getting into Premier League this year? Is this, you, you into anyone? 
Actually, I'll probably get into it a little bit more because the World Cup's coming up. Yeah. And so uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably get into it a little bit more. So I'm up to date on who's good and who's not and who I should be looking for. My squad, Aston Villa, Wes Eden's uh, team, dro- uh, drops their opener to Bournemouth. And they returned to the Premier League. Oh, this is the, uh, this, this is the team that that ended up making it. Remember, we were talking about the games. <laughs> oh, and was that Bournemouth? The, the, was that their no, game? no, no. I, I'm just saying. I'm, yeah. I'm saying they're one of the top four teams or yeah, top yeah. three teams. Yep. That, um, Bournemouth that is one it. of the we were... three that uh, that moved up. Uh, so that was a uh, a big way to start for them over uh, Bucks. Uh, one of the the lead owners of the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Wes Edens, his uh, Aston Villa squad. All right, so I said we were going to get into it, and we will now, because the Milwaukee Brewers have absolutely struggled since the last time we were on the air. Five of six losses, one against the uh, Red Sox, swept by the Pirates, split the first two against the Reds, and now they find themselves in second place as the Cardinals shut out the New York Yankees last night, one to nothing, with one of their acquisitions that they made at the deadline. It seems like everything's going in the wrong direction. It's when we need Kyle Denial to come in and give us some positivity. But Kyle, I don't know if you're going to have it for us today. No. I, I'm very positive. You have the highs and the lows. This isn't a team that's going to run away with it. We knew that throughout the whole entire well season so far that this team isn't going to run away with it. We knew it was going to come down to the very end, and we're going to see if the Brewers are able to be either a wild card team or Brewers are able to win the division. That's just what it's going to be. It's early. They won all these games, and people are excited. Now they lose a couple games, and guess what? They may go win the next five or six games, and the Cardinals might lose, you know, four or five, and all of a sudden the Brewers have a little. They're caught back up, and they're in first place with a cushion. It's a long season. I don't think they have a chance at the wild card. As as crazy as that sounds, no, 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 you're right. They're only one game back of it right now. But the teams, but. I'm saying the Braves and the Padres yeah. to me are yeah. are going to be locks with their squads, and then there's just a lot of other stuff in there. So maybe I mean the Phillies are the team ahead of them. Maybe you could argue that they had a lucky streak early in the year and no Bryce Harper. So maybe the Brewers can you know not only um, you know surpass them but stay ahead of everybody else because the other the other teams aren't great, right? Like there's not a lot of other teams fighting for the wild card. So it really is, can the Brewers either pass the Phillies or can they pass the Cardinals to make the postseason? I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, everything will be okay. There's no reason to push the panic button right now in August, early August, when you're still competitive. Now, is that meaning that you don't think Josh Hader was that good or what they got back was equally good? Because... I mean, you're trading a guy who, over the last five years, I mean, was pretty historic in terms of what he did, right? I mean, like, are are you just blowing off, like, hey, Josh Hader doesn't matter that much? So, here's my thing. Josh Hader, okay, yeah, Devin Williams blew a save this week. Did we have any other blown saves? I mean, it was a tied game that he Well, he blew, but he still gave up a run. So, you know, at the end of the day, I mean— whether we had Josh Hader and didn't have Josh Hader, Josh Hader impacts typically one inning per game. And, and by the way, Josh Hader had made it pretty clear he did not want to pitch more than one inning a game, too. And, and so, you know, it, if if there were those situations, he he wanted to only pitch for one inning. And so, Josh Hader, this isn't like a difference maker with Josh Hader not having Josh Hader. So I think we're better off with that trade with trying to get something for the future because we weren't going to keep Josh Hader forever. Had to get something for him. Okay, so you're saying you'd ra- but. 
if it risks, like when you were in a small market, right? Like the Brewers went all in for CC Sabathia and that got them to a postseason, right? So that, you know, that was worth it, right? Because he got him there. Now you could keep Josh Hader longer and get less for him. And if he could, like, what, what if he ends up being the difference between winning a World Series or getting passed around in the playoffs and you don't have him? Listen, I am a person who loves history, Craig. And you know what history has shown me about Josh Hader in the playoffs? Josh Hader is not the same guy in the playoffs when we need him that he is during the regular season. So we can move on. You can't tell me the last five closers. Well, I can probably tell you at least two of them. The last five closers on World Series teams. So Josh Hader, by the way. Yes. His postseason record. Or his postseason ERA is 1.88. When it, it matters, it, Craig. The postseason. What, what, postseason what, ERA. How many home runs did how, he give up when it mattered how, for us? That's what I'm talking about. When many, it really when it really mattered, I never saw him close he's out given a game up we needed. one home run in his postseason history. What, what, what was – I could have sworn – didn't against the Nationals? Didn't he suck against the Nationals? And then didn't he choke – was it last year? I've seen Josh Hader choke multiple times in the playoffs as a Brewers fan. So um, – what I would tell you is he gave up a home run last year, uh, which is the only home run he's ever given up in the postseason. He when it mattered, he's well everything matters in the right, and, oh, and he got a loss there. He got a loss there, and he got a loss against the Washington Nationals. Well, okay, um, I'm going to tell you about a guy. I'm just going to tell you a story, okay? All right, I'm, I'm story time. Okay. I like it. Okay, there's a pitcher who in 1997, um, 1997. I know you were seven. Blue a closeout game against the Cleveland baseball team. I can't say their name because it's a swear word now. Um, they uh, Okay, so he blew a save in 1997. I think I know where you're going. In a closeout this. game. In 2001, in 2001, it was game seven of the World Series, and he blew a save in the final game of the World Series and got the loss. And uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks won the World Series. In 2004... His team was up three games to nothing in the ALCS, and he blew a save against the Boston Red Sox, who ended up winning four consecutive games and completing the biggest comeback in sports history. That pitcher who blew those three saves is considered the best postseason postseason closer in the history of baseball. And he blew those three saves that I just described. Did he save any games to win World Series at all? Did he close out any World Series victories for his team at all? Are, Does he have? Are world, you talking about Josh Hader? By the same, okay, by the so, same age that Josh Hader is now, did he have any World Series rings? So Josh Hader has one save in his postseason career. And how many does Mariano Rivera have? Um, more than one. And how many <laughs> rings does Mariano Rivera have? Uh, Mariano Rivera has five rings. And how many times did he close out a game? And I've seen him close out a game to either end a series or win a World Series. Many, many, and many, many, many. And that is my point. But what Josh I'm Hader saying is to do it Josh yet. Hader just didn't have, hasn't had that many opportunities yet. I mean, the guy has struck out 23 people in his 14 postseason innings. How many walks? The guy has walked uh, three people. Oh, that's not bad. That's Twenty-three not bad. strikeouts. I'll take, I'll take that. Twenty-three strikeouts, three walks, and four. Oh no, and nine hits. I mean, a one point eight eight ERA. What he did was he blew the save against the Nationals. That, that yeah. you'll never forget. No, right? can't. And can't. then 
He also lost the game in uh, last year's postseason against the Bra- against the Braves. We could still say that word. Okay, <laughs> just making sure. Braves against, is good. Yeah, against the Atlanta Braves. So, I mean, Josh Hader has not proven he can save games in the postseason, but he's. It, I mean. He hasn't been terrible, right? He's got a one. No, he's, he's got a one eighty-eight ERA in the postseason. So if that's your argument against him, now my my argument for this is I, I I'm I'm I've been playing the other side a little bit on this, but I trust. Not only do I trust the Brewers' front office, but I really believe that the Brewers have a really good deep bullpen and. I don't believe it's necessarily sustainable to think what Josh Hader's done over the last five years can continue. And, uh, you know, and not just because we saw him struggle over the last few weeks, and the cost of retaining him would be so high. So ultimately, I think it's a, I think it was the right move. I, I, I trust the move. But what I'll say is, I think the clubhouse wasn't ready for the move. And I legitimately think. Part of why they lost these games this week and why the other guys in the bullpen struggled, you know, because it was multiple guys this week. I mean, they blew three leads against Pittsburgh was because of this trade. Talk to Bob in sales. You're on Sunday Karma. Morning, Bob. Morning. How are you? Good, good, good. What do you got? So I have a problem with this small market mindset. Yep. San Diego is not a large market, and they just traded for Josh Hader and Juan Soto, and they're willing to pay both players. And they have Manny Machado, which is similar contract to essentially uh, Christian Yelich. Yeah, um, they. I mean, they went from they being a small market. So, they went from being a small market to this year they have the second highest payroll in baseball, right behind the Dodgers. Exactly. And and Alcantara is one of the. Uh, I, I, I don't know in, in terms of all the sports, but I know he's up there when it comes to individual ownership as far as uh, money. And the fact that he's trying to buy a soccer club. Look, man, Hater, $11 million, up to $16 million arbitration. You don't want to invest in arguably the best player at that position. I have a real problem with it um, from the standpoint of you're, you, you're, you're trading him for an unknown ambassador that you think is going to be unreal, that you loved him in the second round or last year's draft and whatnot. You just let go of that. You've done that for a science. So what was the point of taking that trade for that piece on? And then you've got two individuals. You got a okay, a, you know, a, a super fast utility outfielder who's going to steal fifty fifty bases. We don't run anyway. We don't steal bases. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what we do. Yep. Like we, we we play for the home run. We don't run. We don't want to make out on the bases except for Victor Tarantino last night. But we 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 don't run. So. What, what what's going on here? So, Bob, you no, think that you think this was like cost save? You think this was completely cost yeah, savings? Absolutely. Look at the last five years. Where where has the profits of the team gone to? Has it gone into the team? No, it hasn't. It's gone to building out your facilities out in Arizona. Gone to building out Miller Park. You're investing in your property, which is bringing up the value of your of, of, you know, of your franchise, which is great. You can do whatever you want to do, but don't come to me and the Bruins fans and say. Um, this is a, a good move to keep us competitive for the next five years. Boom. Signing Josh Hayner, the best closer in the game for five years. What are you going to tell us when you let Woodruff go and then Burns go? You sign Ashby to a, a, an extension, great. Okay, no big deal. Ashby's not Burns. Ashby's not, not Woodruff. 
Let, here we go. Devin Williams. Have you ever been talking about Freddie Freeman crying when the Braves, uh, when you came back to the Braves as a Dodger? Devin Williams looks like he's clinically depressed, which is, which is sad. I mean, the fact is he looks like he just lost his mom and dad at the fair and he has nowhere to go. Uh, I mean, this, that, that, that's what I said, by the way. I think this, I think this week against the Pirates wasn't because Hader wasn't there physically, because I don't think you know the innings would have been the difference. But I think you could see in the bullpen a a different look. Um, how different would right. you have felt? How different would you have felt if the Brewers did a an additional deal to bring back, let's say Bell from the Nationals? Would you have felt differently about this? Well, I know because Josh Bell to me looks he's. He's Rowdy Tellez. I mean, he's okay. He's a little better, but I mean, it's not like he's he's not a huge difference maker. Yeah, you've had Kesson here down in the minors all year long. You know, he comes up and down. If he's not a piece, let's move him. Let's try to maybe get, bring another outfielder. Like Brandon Drury would have been a nice piece to pick up for yep. the Reds. We didn't go out and get a bat. I'm just saying, guys, there there are holes all over in this offense. I know everyone loves Adonis hitting 220. People say batting average doesn't matter. Well. It kind of does because your OPS has to factor in batting average. You know, doubles, triples, singles, home runs, that factors in your batting average. I don't want my two and three hitters walking all the time to get that, that on-base percentage up. I, 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 you need guys that can hit extra bases at a 250 clip or higher. That's, that's who wins. You look at the Yankees, you look at the Cardinals, you look at the Braves, you look at all the leaders, they've got people that are hitting above 250. Okay, you have to hit field with runners in scoring position as well. You look at the outfield, Tyrone Taylor, great story for like two weeks. Dude's not a center fielder. Okay, sorry, I don't, I don't have time for this. You know, uh, you know Hunter Renfro, nice player. Okay, Hunter Renfro will hit you thirty bombs with his seventy RBIs because no one can get on base. I, I don't know. I guess there's just a lot of flaws here, um, and and they they, they they took the one piece they had in Hayter, which was the most consistent piece outside of Burns and Woodruff. Those three. That's how you build your well, team. Well, you Bob, I wouldn't even say it was the one piece when you think about Hater. I think it was the one piece when you thought about the seventh, eighth, ninth innings, and maybe even sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, where it was like, hey, even if the offense isn't great, we know these. You know that if we get six innings out of a great starting pitcher, which yep. we happen to have a bunch of them in the postseason, that will that the Brewers will be as good as anybody seven, eight, nine, which gives you a chance to beat anyone in the postseason. So that was the Correct. thing that the Brewers that had, right? Right, that's the formula. You get through six. Let's try to put three, four runs on the board. Close it out seven, eight, nine. That's been the formula since 2018, essentially. You know, when they when they went out and got, uh, you know, before Knable had his his uh, his elbow injury, it was Knable in the ninth, Hater in the seventh and eighth, and they could use Hater as a weapon. All right. Well, you, you haven't really been replenishing. You got you got lucky with Devin Williams. Yeah, and, and by the way, Hater, you mentioned seven eight. The guy's not the guy is done pitching two innings, which you know, which does hurt, right? Uh, I talked about Mario Rivera, a guy yep. who was willing to pitch three innings, and you know, at times, and you know, uh, which Hater stopped being willing to do. But you being a Yankee guy, everyone remembers Rivera. Everybody forgets about John Wetland 
and Mel Roja, um, is it Mel Roja? I can't remember. Yeah, that goes Mel Roja. Like they had guys that could get the seventh and eighth and get the ball to Rivera. Like yeah. that, that's been the formula in all of baseball. So well, Wetland was the ninth. Wetland was the ninth inning guy, and Rivera was the seventh and eighth, and uh, Wetland couldn't do it consistently enough, and Rivera was ready. So we hope that that's what Devin Williams uh, becomes. Uh, you know uh, that he he goes from being that seventh and eighth guy that Rivera was to being able to be the ninth guy. But we know how difficult that is, Bob. We hope you call back again. Great stuff from Bob. Jason Wildy joins us next. We'll talk with him about Leroy Butler going to the Hall of Fame and more. It's Sunday Karma, ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Wildy is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at Boucher.com. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Craig. How are you? Good. Um, I'm going to say something so unfair uh, about Leroy Butler, um, who I've... I've believe should be should be a Hall of Famer and was so impactful. The most memorable play of his career for me is this is what I'm gonna say is really unfair. Was a David Sloan touchdown. Do you do you remember that? Uh I am blanking on this. Tell me more. Yeah, so I think it was in nineteen ninety nine. I just moved to Wisconsin like a year earlier, so it was like my second like season of watching every single game, like you know. And David Sloan caught a ball against like a two deep zone type thing or, you know, and just up the slot. Bernardo Harris probably didn't back up far enough. I know that never happened, <laughs> you know, and the ball went over Bernardo Harris's head and was caught by David Sloan. And, and that actually did. I looked back at it this morning. It really was Bernardo Harris not backing up enough. And uh, David Sloan caught the ball. And so uh, Leroy Butler's coming over to make the tackle on the safety. And then you realize that David Sloan, who's a Lions safety, who, I mean, if you were going to just say average, like, football player, like, maybe the name David Sloan would come to mind, right? Like, you don't remember anything about David Sloan, do you? I, I, I didn't even know who he played for when he started this story. Yeah, so he was the Lions tight end, right? So he catches the ball, and Leroy Butler has the angle on him. And the result of the play was a 74-yard touchdown for David Sloan. This kind of mediocre tight end. And it was like right after Barry Sanders had retired and like the Lions were bad and they started the year 2-0 and that year and you know Megatron and Sanders were gone. And I was like, wow, Leroy Butler wasn't fast enough to tackle a tight end in open space. Yet, to me, he was as much as, as Reggie White important and impactful to a number one ranked defense that went to two Super Bowls and was the best team, you know, for that, you know, for that little period there. And to me, it shows how smart Leroy Butler was, how incredibly schemed he was, and what an incredible football player he was and leader on the field, that he was able to have the career he had, but he he didn't have that natural gift to even, like, 
catch the tight end in open space. Like he he was a dominant player, Jason, and and this team in my mind deserved its third Hall of Famer, and I'm happy they have it. Yeah, and and I do think that also speaks to though how vital it was that and and part of this is the fact that they wanted to draft Terrell Buckley as uh, misguided as that selection was in 1992, but it speaks to the fact that he wasn't fast enough to be a Hall of Fame corner, that's for sure, and they moved him to safety, and it was the best thing that could have ever happened to him. I mean, Leroy has said uh, in the past this about Ray Rhodes. He has said this about Fritz Shermer when we did a Zoom call with him about a month ago going into the induction ceremonies, and he said it in his speech about Mike Holmgren yesterday, and he's used the phrase with all three of them, insert person here, changed my life. And all three of them were involved with his move to safety, and they did. They changed the course of his NFL career. He is not a Hall of Famer if he stays at corner, which is where he played his first three years in the league. Um it was a perfect fit. They used him perfectly. And you're right about his football intelligence, but you're also right. He was never the, the fastest guy on the field. He just had an ability to know where the ball was going, except for apparently in this David Sloan case, and get there in ample time, even if he wasn't the fastest guy getting to that spot. And you say switching him to safety. I feel like at times he was switched to linebacker, right? Like he played the position sure. differently than, you know, I had seen it at the NFL level played before. Well, yes, he he redefined it. And frankly, if you look at all the guys that came after him, guys that made it into the Hall of Fame before him, Brian Dawkins in Philadelphia, uh, Troy Polamalu with the Steelers, uh, those guys followed the Leroy Butler prototype. Like they played the position – like that, but no one played it the way Leroy Butler did. He was the first one to get to 20 sacks and 20 interceptions because that's not what safeties did. Safeties either roamed in center field or came up and really hit guys really hard. So they either intercepted passes or they were the last line of defense to make a tackle. They certainly weren't blitzing. They certainly weren't making the types of run-stopping plays that Leroy would make. He changed the way the position is played, and I think that's the reason why a lot of us uh, and, you know, he's not he, – we had a great working relationship. He's not one of my you know, close former players that I still stay in touch with. But it's one of the reasons why I think a lot of us thought it was ridiculous that some other safeties got in before him, Steve Atwater, uh, John Lynch, not because they weren't deserving, but because they played the position in a traditional way and – when you look at the way Butler played it, he changed the way the position was played on top of being a top three player at his position for like a four-year stretch. And those should be plenty to have gotten him in the Hall of Fame sooner, but 16 years, he still got in, and that's what matters. Yeah, awesome stuff from Jason Wilde as we uh, talk about one safety. On to another safety, uh, Darnell Savage, uh, injured hamstring at family night. Uh, hamstring seems like the worst possible uh, injury or one of the worst you could have uh, early in the year for a player who relies on his speed like Darnell Savage. Any initial thoughts of what's going on there? Yeah, he told us it wasn't a big deal, and I think that uh, Domofsky talked to his agent, and the indication is that they're not super worried about it. So he may not practice today when we're inside the Hudson Center a little bit later this afternoon, but 
I don't think it's a major concern. But, again, he's one of those players, and Goody was saying this last week, about how he's got some Ted Thompson to him. He wants to, to take a bunch of the guys that he knows are going to be key pieces for them and put them in bubble wrap right now. And this allows them to, to put Darnell Savage in some bubble wrap for a little while if they want to. I, look, I, whether it's him or it's Rashawn Gary or it's Jair Alexander, uh, they've, they've got a lot of players on that side of the ball that the last thing you want to see is have them get hurt. And obviously – that's true under any circumstance, but especially when, again, watching that offense on family night go against the number one defense, it's hard to tell if it's ineptitude by the offense or the defense is going to be that good. I think it's probably a little bit of both, but they didn't do anything. Like, that's the first family night I remember in a while where the number one offense really did not look very impressive at any point. And if that's a statement about the defense, that's great news. If that's a statement about where the offense is at, then they got reason to worry. Yeah, family night's getting so bad. In ter- like, family night used to be like an intense like kind of practice and going at it. Yeah. Like, I think family night's getting so extreme. I think soon, like, the families are just going to be playing. Like, the Packers aren't <laughs> even going to be on the field. Like, it's just going to be people's families on the field at this point. Um, the... Uh, you know, I, Greg Matzik asked this week um, about players playing um, in light of the Saints destroying the Packers, right? Opening week last year, 38-3. to So yeah. does that kind of put you in a different mindset of getting ready for week one, which seemingly the Packers weren't last year? What do you think the impact of that will be? Obviously, the, the record still ended up, uh, you know, with – you know, Matt LaFleur's 13 wins, he gets every year, no matter what's going on. But um, I mean, do you think that will have a, a real impact in what we see this preseason? Uh, if you listen to the way Rodgers was talking uh, when he spoke at his locker during the week, uh, not if he has any say in it. Like, you know, he, he talked at length about how valuable he thinks the in-practice snaps are versus in-game snaps. Now, Look, he's not infallible. Not everything he says is gospel. But the point he was making that, you know, going against defenses that are playing only a handful of uh, schemes, very simple schemes, very vanilla schemes, um, it's not like had they played in one of their three preseason games, they would have seen what the Saints defense did to them uh, in the opener. So I see his point. the other issue, though, is, and Rodgers did acknowledge this, that the one valuable thing that comes from preseason is when the lights go on, you see some players who shrink and some players who shine. And when they've got as many young guys as they're going to have to need to step in and, and be at least somewhat productive for them, I think there's some value in seeing what they can do in a game situation with Aaron Rodgers, with adjustments going on on the fly, and and. To listen to Rodgers, he doesn't think that's necessary. We'll see if Matt LaFleur overrules him on that. Yeah, as you say that, I I feel like there's value there, right? Even if it's not as much for Rodgers, but it's for those guys to see how Rodgers Rodgers actually is in a game and Mm -hmm. uh, to see how they respond in a game. You know, uh, Rodgers obviously could simulate in practice, but they might not be able to. Uh, Jason, that would be my point to him. Yeah, yes, Jason, exactly. did you did you spend uh, spend a, a few hours uh, this week uh, listening uh, to your friend Aaron? I did not. No, did you? Um, wow. So, Jason, you did not listen to the podcast. 
our our outstanding teammate Josh DiMaggio uh, did it, so the rest of us would not have to. He uh, cut up some clips so we could use them on the show. Um, but I, I'll be honest, I I thought if I listened. Uh, it would bother me more than it would uh, enlighten me. And I thought in the best interest of my mental health and my thoughts about him, that it would be better that I did not spend two and a half hours listening. Okay, Kyle. Uh, I know, wait, wait, wait. I, know some of his, I know some of his teammates haven't even listened to it. So, Right, right, right. But you're in the media. I mean, you, it would make more sense for you to listen to even than them because they actually experience you know, the stuff he's talking about. Kyle, did you listen? Yeah, I did. I had one response, Craig. Psychedelic Funkadelic. That's my only response. <laughs> and you listened to the whole thing? No, I just I just read the headlines. Oh. I didn't I didn't listen to it, but I had one response to it. Is I, I saw what he was talking about, and it seems like he's a he's a different guy, man. I don't know. See, I I've heard so many people mocking him this week, and to me, it's like everyone like wants. Aaron to fit into their box, like whatever they've decided Aaron is, including you, Jason, right? He's like, weird. Num, num, right. Okay. He's weird. He's different. But like when he's your weird, it's okay. But when he's someone else's weird, then it's not okay. I mean, that's how I feel about Aaron. Like he's, he's always been different. He's always been unique. And like, like it's so easy to dismiss him because he is different and because he's not what we wanted like when he didn't wasn't vaccinated like i would have preferred he be vaccinated and like all that but like i don't know it like doesn't change like i couldn't i don't know jason i i feel like you're not liking him because he's not fitting into the box that you want to put him into Mm, i don't i don't think that that's necessarily true but i i would say this uh my my question um, when when you do something like this. Oh, and by and the way, you had asked me, Jason, if I'd listened. And so I, I was dry, I had a long drive, so I was like, all right, I'm going to listen. I listened to about the first 18 minutes, and then I realized that we had some good karma teammate podcasts that had dropped uh, this week that I hadn't heard. And I was like, all right, I'm going to have an opportunity to listen in the car. So I listened to some of uh, our teammates' podcasts about the history of the company because we're celebrating 25 years. But I will, uh, I will try to get back and listen to it because... I find all that kind of self-help, personal development, uh, even psychedelics in there. You know, I did mushrooms once, and it changed my life. And I don't think we'd all be sitting here. I don't. I. I honestly don't believe I would have started the company. What? Yeah, I don't believe I would have started the company and been on the path I was had I not done mushrooms the one time I did mushrooms in college. Can I take that for a promo? <laughs> you could use that for a promo anytime <laughs> you want. I, I legitimately did mushrooms. And I had the worst experience. By the way, Bob Euchre was involved in it, in the experience. It was crazy the one time I did wait, mushrooms. Wait, 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 wait. Bob Euchre was doing mushrooms with you? No. Or he appeared like grandmother spirit that Rogers spoke to while he was on his trip. Well, he yes. So, Bob, so here's what happened. As I'm doing the mushrooms, and I, I, I could go into... By the way, I knocked my headphones out. It's a ton of story. Um, Bob Euchre, as I'm doing this experience, and uh, I, I don't have time during this segment to go into the whole experience. So there's a lot of really deep things that happened along the way. But I get back okay. to my apartment, thankfully, which I didn't know if I ever would. I get back there. I close the door. I'm really scared. I put on my little TV that was like I had like a 20-inch, 19-inch color TV, the little TV VCR in my uh, apartment. Uh-huh. Um, and I put on uh, WGN, 
and Mr. Belvedere's on. And, oh my gosh. And um and the show's just ending and they're like, Up next is Mr. Belvedere. And then I was like, Whoa, what's going on? And then I go to the program guide and I swear it just showed Mr. Belvedere as like the only thing that was on. And uh, I was just losing my mind. And uh, it happened a bunch of times during this uh, this experience that I had. And, um, I mean, I don't think there was any symbolism of, like, Bob Euchre and, like, anything. But that was part of this, like, terribly bad trip that I had the one time I did mushrooms. And... Um, and but there were a lot of other things that happened along the way that ended up shaping who I became as a person. All right, my my question about this is so uh, according to the timeline that he gave in his podcast with this fella, and and I've done you know some looking into Aubrey Marcus, and because I, I was curious about him. And I've had a few people mention him in less than glowing terms, so I wanted to do some reading up on him myself. But my my question would be this, and, and this is as honest as I can be about how I kind of view where the quarterback is at these days. And my question is, if, if Rodgers did this two years ago, right? He did it in whatever it was, March of 2020 when he was when he went to Machu Picchu with Danica Patrick, uh, and then he had that like Argo-like escape out of the country before it went into lockdown. What is the, what is his impetus for telling this story now? Um, Aubrey Marcus obviously has a a line of of supplements and what have you. Um, I would just be curious. And this is the thing I said to Paula, because I I, I will not, I, I always will care about the guy. I am curious as to whether the people that have, become part of his life are part of his life to enrich his life or if there is some um, ulterior motive that helps their uh, Q rating, people know them more, helps them sell products, helps them whatever it might be. And that's my only thing is that I know there are a lot of people that have uh, been around him and have cared a lot about him. And while they may have had, work-related connections to them, to him, uh, that they truly cared about him and they weren't in it. Oh, come on. What could he do for them? Uh, But Jason, I just disagree. Like from the beginning, like, okay, so John Kerry, who cared about him as much as anyone, or David Margolis, who cared about him, like guys who, Mm -hmm. with the Mac Fund and like did unbelievable things, who cared, who who I know are some of the dearest, sweetest, most, you know, genuine people you could ever meet. They also loved what Aaron could do for them, right? No and, doubt. And, and for them, meaning helping their community and saving children's lives and things that, you know, that they did and that Aaron helped them do. So I don't know. When I watch the Derek Jeter documentary, I think when you're at that level of celebrity, you are so aware that everyone's out to get something from you that to me, Aaron Rodgers, we know how smart he is and how much he thinks. I mean, if... If anyone's getting over Aaron Ro- on Aaron Rodgers, I think Aaron Rodgers knows, and he feels like he's also getting the benefit out of them. 
I mean, I yeah. I don't think okay. Aaron's naive to think like, oh, I didn't realize this guy's selling supplements, and he unless Aaron really believes he wants this guy to to sell supplements off of him. I mean, we know how he's felt about his family, right? That uh, and his dad's chiropractor business or whatever. I mean, he he doesn't want anyone to get over on him. So if someone's getting over on him, Aaron Aaron's definitely a willing participant. Yeah, well, that that very well could be. I just. Um, you know, I look back on our relationship with him when we did the show and, and everything else. I don't know um, when you look at our company, how much that did for us um, and how much it changed how we were perceived or whatever. But I will say this, I look back on that and I think his likability was at an all-time high with people. Whereas now I think there's a lot of people who look at him the way Kyle just said and said, that this guy's weird. Yeah. And, but I think uh, maybe he but, doesn't care. Yeah, they Jason, I think that's strange. the thing, right? I think if you give a chance to listen to the whole thing, I think Aaron's point is it's okay if some people think he's weird and he wants to give other people permission to be thought of as weird. And you might think I'm weird because I just told you a story that I did mushrooms and saw Mr. Belvedere, uh, you know, all over my TV. <laughs> like that's that's what Aaron has decided is the best way to go to be what he per- believes to be his most genuine self. And if some people don't like him, that's okay. And if he gives some people permission to be their truest self, then that's okay too. And and I think there's more so, depth than just hey, I'm not going to listen to this. I'm going to read a few headlines. And I think that's why he chose to talk for over two and a half hours, you know, with a friend who he trusted because he feels like there's a lot more nuance to who he is and how he feels about things. So I think one of the great things about our friendship is that whenever I've talked to you about certain things, there's been you've given me an opportunity to view things through a different lens, which is what you're doing now, which I appreciate. My question, again, as I look at kind of the 30,000-foot view of this podcast and what he said, do you think what he did was healthy for him? Like, not, not you know, the, your experience or his experience with ayahuasca or whatever it's called. My My question is, do you think what he did, you know, he says that it was uh, directly correlates with him winning two MVPs, right? That's what he said at one point in the podcast. Um, if, if you look at what he did and this journey he went on and, and the uh, level of uh, hallucinogens that he was experiencing, do you think what he did was healthy? Was it a net positive or is that kind of a thing where – if you do something like that and then you look back on it and go, well, that probably wasn't the best thing I've ever done. I don't know if he's ever going to view it that way. Do you think that this was a good thing that he did? Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't know and I'll never know and we'll never know. Sure. But right. like I would I would say yes. And I think, you know, if you really dig deep, you know, and I the uh, podcasts I listen to and people I study, there's so much work that's done on, you know, hallucinogenics and their benefits and, you know, both scientific, like medically, as well as, uh, you know, in other ways. So I, I think 
if he was being if it was done in a a safe place like when i did it it wasn't done in a safe way and uh, and, <laughs> and and i should not have done it the and and i've never done it again since uh, but yeah i think it probably was a net positive for him and i think the way he views team and connectedness and and the way he's continuing to evolve as a as a person i think is is really healthy for him and it's going to keep him playing longer than he would have played had he not gone this down the spiritual journey he's gone down. And and Do you again, think his teammates view him that way too? I think his... Again, this is just your opinion. Yeah, yeah. I would guess most of his teammates see the headline and they, they're just... They're this generation of teammates because everyone would see a little different, right, based on when you first met him. I think sure. this generation would be like... Yo, Aaron's different, man, but he's the goat. So whatever he does is works for him. Like I right. think that that's how they would see him. So I I think there's a small percentage would be like, hey, I'll go do whatever Aaron's doing because it, it's working for him. Some would be like, man, he's crazy. I don't know what he's talking about. Like I think there's a mix, but I don't think anyone's like, hey, I don't want to play with that guy because he, no. you know, because of what he's doing. No, I would agree with that part of it for sure. Yeah, and, and I think his uh, his leadership skills, I think, are have always been in question, and I think are fair to question. And I think how he responds to um, you know to the things set in front of him, including like we said, hey, playing in preseason, could that prepare people a little better? Like you know, different things along the way. I I think Aaron's the best. You know, quarterback skill-wise that we've seen over the last you know 10, 12 years, but I don't think it's only the organization and his teammates to blame for only one Super Bowl, right? I think he has to share some of that, but I think he's been the best football player. I think you know he continues to work on all the other stuff that hopefully will bring him a second and third Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by whether or not we'll ask any questions about it because it dropped the same day that he spoke at his locker last week. And so I don't think anybody had had two and a half hours to listen to it before he talked. I'll be curious to see what kind of questions he gets and and how he answers them uh, this week when we talk to him again. Yeah, well, the one thing we know about Aaron Rodgers is he is not boring and uh, always gives us uh, stuff to talk about. Jason Wilde brought to us by Boucher Automotive. Jason, appreciate your insight, your honesty, and your vulnerability every Sunday morning. All right, Craig. Take care. Be good. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Jason Wilde. You can catch him with Wilde and Tausch, 9 to noon, and on Twitter, at Jason J. Wilde. You can catch your 7 at 11 next. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com.